0: Lord, as really tonight we begin to lay just a foundation that rightly exalts you and rightly uh, humbles and abases us, I just pray that you would help us uh, uh, to get a clear perspective uh, so that as we approach your word and as we approach it, particularly in the next few weeks, in a very uh, systematic manner. You would just help us to to lay hold of what you have been pleased to deliver to us in jesus name we pray amen all right i'm going to start out uh, this evening now though we are going to be unpacking some issues related to the church and and how that affects how we think of the church and what the church does and so on very good interesting necessary important and exciting things particular to our time But before we do we want to I want to lay some ground thoughts From God's Word that really pertain to anything that we look at and anything that we study The first passage that I refer to here is out of Proverbs chapter 30 And if you have a Bible, it's okay to go ahead and go there As I'll point out uh, a, a few things This is that Proverbs towards the end that is not written by Samuel. This one is written by Agur. But again, when we have someone writing in the book of Proverbs, this is the wisdom literature. These are those that were distinguished by the grace of God to be those having the most wisdom among men. Augur, it's often believed, was probably part of those people that came with Queen Sheba, was amazed by the wisdom of Solomon, and may have stayed on absolutely in awe to learn of him. He then states this, and I'm going to read it in the ESV because the King James and a few other older translations have chosen to not translate words and to present them as if they're names, and I think the ESV here uh, gives a much clearer rendering. Says this: the words of Agur, the son of Jechah, the oracle. The man declares, "I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out." Then he goes on to say. Now, I've I've spoken to some on occasion who say we don't use that word in our home. I get it. It's just, it's not a nice thing to say to one another, but boy, is it powerfully clear. He says, I am too stupid to be a man. Now, I get it if you don't let your kids call each other that. uh, But what, what, what begins to happen here, I have not the understanding of a man. Now, in a general context, when he who is among the absolute wisest around says, I am stupid and I have not understanding. It makes everyone else think what? If he, who is at this level, is saying he's he's stupid and has not understanding, and I'm roundabouts here, or or somewhere in there, then what is he saying about me? All right, go ahead and process that for a minute. The longer it takes you to process, it, it means you're further down. But you, you get the idea. It, and say, like, well, why is he saying this? Why? Because whatever degree of the wisdom of man that God is pleased to allot to men, that wisdom is exceedingly limited. And what he's going to unpack here is how limited that earthly human wisdom that God has given that might pertain to plants and might pertain to viruses and might per- pertain to to water and biology and whatever it may be it does not pertain to eternal spiritual truths That's which is why he says again in in the Context of his sense of stupidity and lack of understanding He says I have not learned wisdom nor have I knowledge of the holy one The 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 problem the lack is is a right understanding of God And if you don't have a right understanding of God then everything else is also going to be Significantly off but then he unpacks this who has ascended to heaven and come down Who has gathered the wind in his fist who has wrapped the oceans in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth to which there's only one right answer to those questions? God alone God alone God alone and then He says this What is his name? And what is his son's name? You know, And we know that in a way that even in these days was not revealed. Even that question that the Spirit so moved Agur to write here would be a very strange question for the children of Israel. They would likely have to answer it, um, Israel is his son and his people. But we know that there's much more brought up into that but, but as he said, uh, uh, his own foolishness and stupidness and emptiness, because no, ma- no amount of wisdom gets you a knowledge of the Holy One. No amount of earthly wisdom tells you who, who really is that God. What is his name? I mean, sometimes people ask this question. Since there is only one true God, and he, his word proves true and we see it, how come there are so many religions in the world? How come there are some nations that are absolutely nationwide committed to a particular empty religion with a false God? They, a God they call by a different name. And he unpacks it here. Here's the simple reality it cannot rest on men's wisdom, it cannot flow from men's imagination. It cannot be grounded in men's opinion. And after all of the emptiness, weakness, weariness, limitations of human wisdom, how it cannot answer the crucial questions concerning who is God. And further, you can't answer the question who is God, then you're also asking all the other questions in the wrong place. You know, what is the purpose of life? And we end up asking that question of one another, of culture, of society, of philosophers. That question would only rightly be addressed to the one who created life and gives life. But we ask one another for answers and we sit there and we ponder it and we come up with all kinds of ideas. Listen to what he says here in verse 5 after the emptiness of his exceeding human wisdom Every word of God proves true Okay, you want to know the name of God? Search his word You want to know who has ascended and who descended? Search the word of God And some of this is even preparatory of Christ as we know he who descended came from above, and then he himself would ascend So there's so much wonderful Christology woven prophetically into this passage, but every word of God proves true, full stop. Does every word of preachers prove true? I wish. Does every word of those who call themselves prophets prove true? Does every word of anybody else prove true? Every promise of every politician. Every supposed outcome of a particular test or whatever it may be. We see the absolute limit. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Where do I go? I go to him. If I'm going to declare something, I go to him. If I'm going to believe something, I go to him. That's where I go. That's where I seek refuge. That's where I abide, not only with regard to tribulation and trials and tempests, but also with regard to where will I find knowledge? Where will I find truth? Where will I find hope? It says this also in verse 6, do not add to his word. Now, we've looked at this before, haven't we? do not add to his word, that itself would be absolutely enough. So then I could ask the follow-up question. So should we add to his word? No. Who then should or has a right to add to his word? And our answer would be, well, no man does. Right. Do not add to his word, and this is what it says in the second half of this verse, lest He rebuke you and you be found a liar. That hits pretty hard because I know that that just in my own self, the way my own mind works, engaging with others over a period of time, we can have a degree of confidence in our extrapolation, our powers of deduction. We may think we are a scriptural Sherlock Holmes whatever the case may be, but the fact is we've got to be very cautious when we're building ideas because sometimes we've we've built a deduction on a possible implication, built on a somewhat unclear premise, and yet we've drawn a firm conclusion. It's like, really? That's it? How'd you get there? And I know I said a bunch of confusing phrases in there, but you you get it. We've got to be cautious, and and I think it's interesting. The odds that when we add something, we're right, is running roughly at about 0%. And part of that is because, and I think most of us by now have memorized Isaiah 55, verse 8, and nine, God says, thus says the Lord, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. So listen, I want to study, and I want to study God's word, and and I've got to not just read a verse and think. Now mind you, I'm not saying you turn off thinking. You got to use all that is in your noggin, but you use it to continue to search the scriptures and scripture after scripture after scripture until you get a clear sense of it if you don't build your right understanding on a totality of scripture it's gonna be a mess and you're gonna draw wrong conclusions Um, let me give a very bad example that just came to my head so but it but It makes sense, just not a good example. If someone were to go to a horse track, and we've heard tale that those things exist, and we've heard stories that people who go there might wager, place a bet on a horse to win place or show. I once had a boss who went to the horse track almost every day, that's why I happen to know the jargon. I do not partake myself, but the point is, uh, if you're there at the race and you watch the first two races, both horses that win are brown. And you now leave for the day. And you draw this conclusion. You know which horse always wins? You know which horse is the fastest? And now I ask you this. Does that make sense? But look. Look. I saw it not only once, but when I started to form my first opinion, it was further corroborated by a second win, brown horses are the best. So let's imagine he now shows up, You know, mortgages the farm, lays the money down on the brown horse, and then happens to realize, wait, uh, three of the nine horses are brown. What is going on here? Because has he not drawn a conclusion with far too little information? Brothers and sisters this happens all the time Now look in Oftentimes the individual who does that they they are sincere Spirited they're well-meaning they're earnest. They may love God and they may love his word. They just don't know it they see these this verse and maybe that verse too and they've drawn a conclusion without realizing my friend there are 20 verses that say different than your conclusion ah but they can't because this verse says well this verse seems to say because what is the context? What is the language? Even we might go so far as to say, what particular translation are you, you making use of? Because that can also play into it. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. So I note this, and you ought note this, when you have an initial reading, and when you begin to study, whatever comes to your mind, is not necessarily correct. Uh, D.A. Carson wrote an article years ago, an excellent article called the tabula rasa fallacy. Tabula rasa is a Latin phrase that translated means blank slate. The, The point of that article is we don't come with neutrality. We come influenced by our home, our culture, our, 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 our religious traditions, our desires, our appetites. We're influenced by a multitude of things. So somebody who doesn't have much money, but really wants a lot of money. And he reads a verse that says that Christ became poor in order that he might make us rich How is that person gonna translate the words poor and rich? Money, 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 money. That's where their mind goes because that's what they're inclined to. And in so doing, they miss the depth and power of that meaning of christ in his incarnation and his humiliation and also the fact that in him the the richness of his grace the profoundness of his mercy and the ultimate glorification that we will receive is far more glorious than the money and so we've got to be very very careful My thoughts, I want to note this, God says my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, and and that's how it's going to be. So whenever we have a thought that comes from something, we ought to challenge that thought, test that thought. It ought to lead us to more questions. This is what I'm inclined to think about this. Are there passages of scripture that speak different than that? There is a reason why and i say this with i never to discourage the study of scripture i encourage you to continue to dig and dig and dig and dig but there's a reason why james does say that not many of you should become teachers for they will incur a stricter judgment because they're they're not just saying this is my thought they are at that point communicating you should join me in my thoughts that we would both think god's thoughts that's a pretty serious place to stand not something to take lightly uh that's why paul tells to timothy pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching for in so doing you will save both yourself and those who hear you how important is that now that is not then uh, uh, to discourage you from studying, but on the, uh, it's to discourage you from drawing firm conclusions that are immovable when you may not have all the data. You may not, not have all the evidence. So to a degree, certain things you wanna hold on loosely with a willingness and a humility to be taught. Let's go a little further in, this, in the, today's lesson. It says in Psalm 92, verse five to eight, how great are your works, O Lord, your thoughts are very deep. Again, it, it, it's, it's, it's just speaking expansively. And again, when we talk about very deep, how deep is the sea? How deep can you go and hold your breath? It's a phrase just to say, you know, it seems to be unfathomable depths. And that's the way they used to measure the depths Of something they would drop down the ropes with a certain knots tied and it would be this many fathoms And when you get to the end of your longest rope and you're still not hitting the bottom you say we're in a part of the sea or the lake that is unfathomable we cannot measure it due to its depths brothers and sisters regarding the wisdom Knowledge of God, we cannot measure it. And thus in comparison, verse 6 again of Psalm 92 says, The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. And, and then he gives one of, one of the ways that we get it wrong. Strangely enough, one of the ways, it's not only the wicked who sometimes get this wrong, it's even the supposed righteous. It says this, uh, Though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, They are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. Now, how many times did even the prophets themselves say, Why, O Lord, do the wicked prosper? Why, O Lord, are the righteous afflicted? Indicating that even the prophets themselves were to a degree foolish. Their thoughts was... If I were a holy God who is in absolute sovereign control, then the righteous would prosper, the wicked would suffer, the end. Makes sense, right? And man says, right, it makes sense. Righteous, blessed, wicked, punished, misery. And then it says, but why do the wicked flourish? But all that time, what is their ultimate destiny? perishing, and where does God continue to be at all times throughout all of this? Exalted on high. It's not happening because he was somehow knocked off his throne. It's not happening because he he is failing to act. He does not act as we expect, as we want, as we even deem wise. I mean, how many of us think we could be God's counselors? Sometimes I I think if we might sit as a third person upon our own prayers, at times we may a bit sound like we are giving counsel to God. Informing him that if he understood as thoroughly as we do the problem the situation the issue then he would go ahead and get after fixing it But we when we stop and think about it, we know that's not the case. We know that's absolutely ludicrous But nonetheless sometimes that 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 creeps up and so again, we go to that rich passage in Romans chapter 11 Oh, the depths, again, carrying that depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How, again, I've underlined certain portions here, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. And men get all turned around and the scriptures for our sake are full of even godly men getting uh, uh, their brains tied in knots, struggling to understand why God is doing this. We looked recently at Habakkuk, and Habakkuk was, was absolutely out of his mind. Why aren't you doing anything? And then God says, well, I am doing something, and this is how I'm going to do it. What? What you're, what you're going to do is even worse than what I thought you weren't doing. You know, in his human mind, God, your God, your seeming inactivity. You tell me you're doing something, but what you're doing something, I don't think you ought to be doing. What? But what does the scripture remind us? It is unsearchable now. This is a challenge. So so you'll even get people coming up like this. Well, I don't understand why uh, I I can't believe Election is true because I don't understand why God would choose some and not choose others. I don't know why he would do that So you're saying you don't know why? All right, if you don't know why you just might be correct (laughs) Because, Because listen his judgments are and his ways are what unsearchable inscrutable the niv in this section to help with the idea of inscrutable which you probably haven't used today in conversation says beyond tracing out means you're trying to think let's see he and we we often think we'll get it sorted out we'll figure out why he's why he's doing this no we know What he's doing is working all things together for good. We we know the ultimate why for our eternal good and his eternal glory. So, is not the ultimate why enough? The ordinary practical why, I can't understand it even if he was to explain it to me. I mean... uh, the, the way that you could, you, you could picture this in your mind is like trying to explain algebra to a one-year-old. You know? Can it be done? All right, what does X mean? Well, X means times. Okay, so three X, X, six. No, 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 you solve for X there. This X is what you solve for and this X means times. What? And it gets it gets more and more convoluted and some parents who have homeschooled have realized teach a one-year-old It's a it, it can be older than one and it's challenging and after a certain while it seems that Yeah, I think you're just gonna have to do a little self-learning in this particular sphere because it's getting beyond my Recollection has that ever happened? We're aware of that happening at least to some uh, but listen if, if certain concepts of earthly math and chemistry and things are, are beyond us, you think we're really going to trace out the eternal ways of an almighty God? Yeah, methinks your thoughts of God are too human. And I know methinks isn't the way we usually talk, but it felt like the right time to say that. Um, verse 34. For who has known the mind of the Lord? It's a good rhetorical question to which there is an answer. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Among men, nobody. But there is an answer to that that is correct. The Lord. Right? The Spirit searches the mind. You remember from 1 Corinthians. God himself knows his own mind. So if we want to know anything about his mind, we want to know anything about his ways, we want to know anything about his plans, we want to know anything about his purpose, we want to know anything about his truth, I'll stop there. Whatever else, where do we find it? We ask him. And listen closely. If he does not happen to tell us, then we just say we don't know. We don't know those details. Like, again, I love the way people like to speculate. Um, When we have our glorified bodies in heaven, we will all be at our peak of fitness. What was it, 1821? You know, the bald man will regrow his hair. The crippled man will regrow his leg. And and all these things, it's like, well, that's interesting. Where are you getting at? And... Will it be the least bit of concern to the bald man how many hairs he does have will it be the least bit of concern? Uh, 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 Some of these things that seem so significant In our temporal realm And we ask these questions and strangely enough there's books filled with answers to these things You can even get stories of little bitty boys who suddenly went on up there Said hi to grandpa and came back down and tells his story and everybody listens with bated breath I was like, what are you you talking about? That did not happen You know, it's appointed for man once to die and after that the judgment All right I don't want to get too distracted But the point is who has known the mind of the lord only the lord who has been his counselor ought not anybody he works all things after the counsel of his will, right? Ephesians 1, So for a lot of these rhetorical questions to which we humanly say, no one, no one, no man, no man, the other right answer is God alone, he himself, he himself. Now, Job also reminds us of this, the limitations of men, the almighty, we cannot find him. He is great in power justice and abundant righteousness. He will not violate. Therefore, men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise in their own conceit. So a man says, I'm pretty doggone smart. I'm pretty wise. And what does God think about that? Um, Nah, not at all. uh, Again, These days it has become popular again for people to be thinking about Michael Jordan and and his heyday and the different things that he did when he was a pro. And it is interesting at times for him to have in the peak of his play or even just afterwards go to do a basketball camp. And sure enough, here's that little guy who says, I'm better than you, I can beat you. Really? Okay, let's play. And then what happens? Destroyed. Now that is a man versus a man. Now when we're talking about God, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high is God's ways above man's ways and God's thoughts above man's thoughts. That again is an immeasurable distance as we have not yet found the ends of the universe. So let's see a little bit more about men. These are some wise warnings that we do well to heed. Be not wise in your own eyes you know proverbs 18:2 is one that's very concerning and this is something that you know i i do not post to people's uh youtube videos i don't post responses and things like that but there's a lot of times i feel like just copying and pasting this verse in there after their message where it simply says a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinions because it, half the time it is, you know. And you'll often hear it uh, couch this way, you know. After reading a passage, all right, come with me, people. Listen, listen. I believe, you know. I feel it's it, it's my firm opinion. My position is, you know. I don't, I don't care what your position is. Tell me what the scriptures say. Open it up, articulate it. Explain it, demonstrate it. You know, we don't need a bunch of uh, opinions of men, and then it becomes built at times on catchphrases. You know, one day it's all about leverage, and then another day, you know, it's all about zeal, and then another day, it's all about jealousy, and whatever is the catch notion of the day that seems like it's going to grip people. Ah, we don't want that. I often say, I love the way. That you see with Ezekiel when he was granted a word from God. In between the seasons when he would spe- speak, the tongue would stick to the roof of his mouth and he would be mute. And when God would give him a word, then it his the tongue would be loosed and he would deliver that word and then lock it up again. You know, there, uh, I know it's just a fantasy of mine, but the hope is that that would happen. Now listen, not just others. I would be happy for that to happen to me and I'm getting ready to say something that's unfaithful and suddenly it would cut out. I would afterwards, you know, uh, wonder why did it cut out, search the scripture in hopes that I might discover wherein I was wrong and thank God for silencing me. There are clear times. I know that it would be nice if others are silenced. Um, the fool, it says, is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. And then you see a, a, a theme in the prevailing wisdom verses. Seems right to a man. Seems right to a man. Seems, you know what? You know what it seems right to me? That God would do like this and that God would do like that. I remember someone uh uh, saying along these lines um someone was discussing with me his idea pertaining to end times in certain ways and and what he said you know it doesn't seem to me like god who is our father would ever allow his children to suffer because i mean as a father if i could help my child and stop their suffering, I would. And God's a better father than even me, so there's no way he would allow us to suffer great hardship and great tribulation. All right, Uh, interesting. You are aware of his only beloved son, right? Did he allow his son to suffer? more than we can possibly conceive. And is Jesus the only one of God's children who ever suffered? What was told to Paul? It was told to him how much he will suffer for the sake of the name. What did Peter tell to the early church? As Christ so suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same intentions. were, Were there not martyrs? Hebrews tells us about saints of whom the world was not worthy that lived in caves and some of them were sawn in two Not in a some sort of magic show where the box comes open and closed and then once again they get out of the box Literally sawn in two now that sounds agonizing to me And we're aware of accounts of also uh, many of the the early martyrs as they're strapped to wood and and, and lit on fire, dipped in tar and used as torches. And, And then someone comes along and says, you know, it seems to me that God would never allow any of his beloved children to suffer. So I'm sorry to tell you that what seems to you to be right be downright wrong completely wrong and inconsistent well it doesn't seem to me that a loving god would allow would would send any of his creatures that he created to eternal eternal endless suffering a loving god would never do that so it seems to me there can't really be a lake of fire for eternal judgment stop with the seems to me Stop with the subjective interpretation of what a loving God looks like, what a loving father looks like. Let the scripture tell you. And if the true and blessed descriptions of him as a loving father nonetheless seem to you to be incompatible with some of his other actions, and I say this with love, you're wrong. Because if the scripture represents him as it does, and rightly so, as good and perfect and wise and glorious, and yet there is wrath, there is anger, there is burning fire, there is judgment, and if you struggle to reconcile those things, just stand back and say, this is a bit unfathomable for me. This is a bit beyond my tracing out. But his word says it. I acknowledge it to be true. Proverbs goes on to say, of course, do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? There's more more hope for a fool than for him. I mean, that's sad, isn't it? So, uh, to a degree... uh, We've got to remember our limitations and be committed to studying and knowing and learning God's word. Again, people who think that they can find these things out. I've got a number of more verses there that indicate the limitations of of man's wisdom. And even if he thinks he's wise, Ecclesiastes 8, and he claims to know and have it all figured out, he cannot find it out. Don't believe it. Go on with me to page 2 if you would. Page 2, in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 14, it has these um, beautiful words. Every man is stupid and without knowledge. Now, I will say, there are other translations that more generously say um, senseless and ignorant. But I think you get the gist of it. And again, in this context, uses the example of They make an idol with their own hands, and then they bow to it. They made it, and then they pray to it. Does this make sense? And it goes on. Now, I want to note this as well. Here's a frightening thing that was taking place in the days of the Old Testament, and I'm sure some of you will find a parallel today. It says in Jeremiah chapter 14 the second half of that verse the underlined portion you may see it Both the prophet and the priest Ply their trade throughout the land and Have no knowledge Yikes That's scary, isn't it? because The time will come that people will want teachers telling them what their itching ears are ready to hear. And the most important thing is, you know, um, what clothes is he wearing? What is his hairstyle? Does he use the the most recent forms of slang words to really speak to this generation? You know, and all that kind of stuff. And, And... Is that what matters it should not and again partly uh, one of the reasons why they uh, they ply their trade and they have no knowledge is because they're resting on their own wisdom their own experience their own opinions and they're just not giving themselves wholly to the word of god Now, in the New Testament, we have also similar warnings. Lest someone come and say, all these passages speaking about not being wise in your own sight were from the Old Testament. Well, you know, well, I get that. Please never underestimate the fact that the Old Testament is also the word of God. Right when rightly understood and rightly applied, but the church is even told in Romans 11 lest you be wise in your own sight I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery and then he's going to explain it to them And that's a meaningful introduction because see what happens at times when God's Word uh, uh, Through his uh, uh, holy Apostles has not given something clearly You know what we end up doing? Filling in the blanks. And if we haven't been instructed on something yet, do you know what we end up doing? Forming an opinion anyway. Uh, Whatever the opinion is, whoever it is in the world, you can, in any church, you can often go and ask them, you know, uh, what do you think about spiritual gifts? What do you think about end times? And sometimes you even get this. Well, I'm no Bible scholar, and I haven't even really studied this subject. But what I think—wait, wait—why didn't you just stop? You should have stopped at the the point where you said you haven't studied this. Why are you? But, But the reality is, that's who we all are. Even when it's something that we haven't thoroughly studied. We already do have an opinion on it. It may be inherited from uh, our local church, right or wrong. It may be just the influence of our own imaginations. But we already have a something. That's why he also says in Romans 12, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, associate with the lowly, and never be wise in your own sight. I'm going to say this, the never be wise in your own sight is, uh, I'm going to say, always be ready to be informed and corrected and even rebuked by the word of God. Preach the word in season and out, and what does it do? Reproof, rebuke, correction, instruction, training in righteousness. All of these things are unpacked from it. Be ready to say I may not have it all because I guarantee I can say this in in my own experience. After having taught, uh, studied and taught the scripture for uh, seven, eight hours a day for 10 years, which few of us get the opportunity to, since that time, I've subsequently recognized errors in my previous understanding. And errors in particular details. And I would probably be naive to think that now that I've been doing it near 25 years, I'm done finding any corrections or any uh, improvement or clarification in my understanding. I think that would be naive. So let's uh, again press on. Paul tells to Timothy, I, I urge you. When I was going to Macedonia remain at Ephesus and charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine different than what what the word of God says If you're all locked in then it's easy stop teaching that well, I, I believe it doesn't matter word of God doesn't say it Stop teaching that But many believe it doesn't matter word of God doesn't say it What do they do they devote themselves to myths those things that come from the minds and imaginations of men. Endless genealogies, whatever, which promote the SBC. Speculation. Dude, what use is speculation? It's a guess. You know? I mean, it, ultimately, it's, uh, to, in my mind, it's like someone... You, you, you remember uh, the, the little uh, master locks that you used to turn a combination to? I they may still exist the next generation is just going to be a thumbprint or look at it with your eyeball and it will open But you remember those right? You know What's your combination? Don't worry about it. Just guess How long are you gonna be there? I mean, what's the likelihood you, you you unlock that guy? in the first year Almost I mean the first five it's not gonna why guess don't guess. There's no need for speculation. I, I often urge this. There is so much richness in the Word of God that you will spend the entirety of the limited days and years allotted to us seeking to understand what is revealed, and you still won't exhaust it. So, what? It There's no point in wasting your time on speculation. Because even if you give all of your time to this you're still probably not going to grasp every element of it which is why it says um, promote speculation rather than a stewardship from god see that's the difference the, stu- the the idea of a stewardship was someone was the steward of the house oftentimes might be a lead servant that servant would be given something and a responsibility. For example, here is the servant, and he's got to go buy goods. He's got to go and pay bills. He's got to pay the workers. And so the master gives him an amount of money. And you know what what that steward does? He uses what's given to him. You know what the steward can't do? use what's not given to him he what is handed over to him he then makes careful use of and that's what a steward does it's a simple picture um yeah i want to press a little faster now listen down towards the end of in verse 7 1 timothy 1 7 there are those who are um in vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Sometimes that's the thing that gets people. Man, that guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. I've given you this example before. um, A man who clearly does not know what he's talking about by the name of Benny Hinn. You know, comes up with these things. Uh, the Bible says that um, God made man in his image. Do you know what the Hebrew word for in his image means? In his likeness? It means we can do everything he can do. What? Or further, uh, Or no, let me clarify that. God gave man dominion over all the beasts of the field and all the animals. Dominion in Hebrew means they can do everything that under their dominion can do. So basically, he concluded by his false assertion about what the Hebrew means that Adam could swim for hours on end without coming up for breath because he had dominion over the fish of the sea. And he could fly like the birds because he had dominion over the birds of the air. Is that what the Bible taught? Is that what it meant? But I watched as he said this is what the Hebrew means and and a group of people sitting around him were like I've never heard that before you better believe it. Okay, then I guess I better believe it. No, you shouldn't believe it just because he said, you know, I'm telling you this as with as much confidence as anything I've ever said. Yeah. yeah pretty much <laughs> everything you've ever said. God help us. But the the, the issue comes down to, uh, uh, so it doesn't matter how confident they are. Again, uh, down to uh, Romans 10, 2. I bear witness of them, Paul speaking of the Jews. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. It doesn't matter how seemingly genuine, how seemingly sincere. I remember speaking to a missionary overseas one time about a man whose book he handed me who was just an absolute false teacher uh, coming from a curious Uh, mystical, spiritual, Catholic movement. I said, why are you giving me this book and why are you passing this out to people in your church? He said, look, I don't know much about this man, but I I know this, he loves Jesus. I said, I have no idea how much he does or does not love Jesus, but I know the things that he says in his book Are not in agreement with God's Word It doesn't matter how earnest how zealous how sincere how confident wrong is wrong You're probably aware People have died in their zeal for false religions Haven't they? We know this So that's that's not what makes it happen move on with me to the next verse Matthew 22, verse 29 says this. Jesus says, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. When I'm wrong, and when I found myself to have been wrong, it's because I did not have a thorough enough, full enough understanding of the scriptures so often. Again, uh, you want to show yourself approved, two verses up, and on the page, 2 Timothy 2.15, Be diligent, the old uh, King James says, study to show thyself approved, do your best. It it says in the ESV, but I, I like the New American Standard there. Be diligent to present yourself as an approved workman to God that does not need to be ashamed. What does he do? Handle accurately, rightly dividing the word of God. He's not necessarily the best storyteller. He's not necessarily the most engaging personality, but what he is doing is faithfully setting forth God's word. And I want to go on down. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul even talking of himself and applying it to Apollos, he says this, I've apl- Paul applied these things to myself and to Apollos for your benefit. He's using them as a practical example. Brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written. That none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For some reason, I I put that verse twice because in the New American Standard it says that in us you might learn not to exceed what is written. There's a stopping point. And what is the stopping point? It says no further. You know, I'm already as I'm working for a Sunday sermon. There's certain elements in Sunday sermon where it'll say something in in that verse, and it's a unique phrase. And to a large extent, my answer to what exactly does that mean? How exactly did the Holy Spirit do that? My answer is this: I don't. don't know how the Holy Spirit forbid them to speak the gospel in Asia. I don't know. Can I speculate? Yes, but why? I mean, can I even maybe present a compelling speculation that would convince you? I hope so. I mean no I hope not. but you get what I'm saying. It, but but what's challenging is we often don't like the I don't know But that's where you go and And so uh, Let's just get into the next couple of Verses because we're running out of time also a simple reminder in Ecclesiastes 12 11 and 12 down at the bottom Again, it concludes Ecclesiastes, these words of wisdom that are given. And he begins to present this. They're like goads, like nails firmly fixed. And you begin to realize he's not talking about the ordinary words of wise men, but the extraordinary wisdom that God would give when he's working by his Holy Spirit to communicate the word. Which is why he says it this way. uh, Firmly fixed, the collected sayings, they are given by one shepherd. Oh, I thought they were given by many wise men. No, no, no. They're given by one shepherd. And the ESV here actually has the shepherd in capitals because they're convinced that it's conveying a spiritual sense of it. This is God giving his word. That's what you have coming to you in Ecclesiastes and in Proverbs from one shepherd. And then it says this, and note this in verse 12. My son, beware. Beware. Of anything beyond these. Of the making of many books. There is no end. You ever been to a library? Not lately I'm sure. Uh, you, You ever seen pictures of the Library of Congress. Or some of these extraordinary universities. It's quite amazing. And even beautiful really to see. And, and you can go into a lot of pastors' uh, libraries around the world and it's extensive and it's beautiful and, and a lot of materials that are useful. And I remember how many times I've gone into uh, some ridiculously impressive rooms, you know, and every once in a while I'll say, uh, how many of these have you read? You know, well... So far, maybe about 10%. Well, are you ever going to get to the rest? Well, the, the continued ordering keeps, uh, uh, keeps out ahead of me, keeping me at about 10%. But the challenge becomes this, that in the process of time, brother, how much time have you spent this week in God's word? And in words, men have written about God's word. Now, I'm not discounting as useful to a degree things men have written about God's word. You know, with the wisdom God's given them, with a degree of insights, it it can help to stimulate our thought. They can uh, uh, bring. Verses to bear on a passage that maybe we had not considered it is Useful to make use of such things But I know a lot of dear men who get caught up in this pattern Where they spend just a wee little bitty bitty time in the God of Word and a whole lot of time in these other books I think Which one's the living word? Which one's powerful and active? Which one divides uh, thoughts and intentions? Wh- wh- which one de- de- is designed by God to extraordinarily and uniquely work by the power of the Spirit to renew our minds and make us more like Christ? Now, those books can contribute to that in as much as they are faithfully expounding the Word of God. But of the making of books, there's no end. Of the recommending of books, there's no end. And so, this I would say, there's going to be degrees of benefit to various books. And some, a significant benefit. But nothing will ever measure up the word of God. Nothing will ever come close to it. Don't lose that. Uh, Now go with me if you would. um, Over to page three. God, of course, speaks of his ages, His wisdom as being incomparable to the wise and debaters of this age in 1 Corinthians 1. But also it says this in Matthew chapter um, 18 and Luke, uh, Matthew 18 and Luke 18, you see it on page 3 there, uh, where Jesus basically says to his disciples, um, whoever receives the kingdom or whoever humbles himself like a child. Which the general idea is... Teach me, I wanna learn. I mean, I I hope that in most kindergarten classes around the world, you don't have a lot of kids correcting the teacher uh, with uh, how to spell and and how to make cursive words and and not, I mean, cursive letters. Watch out for how I said that. All Uh, All of that, do they? Would it be appropriate? Well. It could happen for sure, <laughs> you know. My daddy says like that, and my mommy says like that. And I, and I often like to use the example. Look, a kid often won't know any better. So if a kid says, Daddy, how old is the man on the moon? Or the man in the moon or whatever. You've heard that phrase before. Well, there's actually no man on the moon. Men did go at one time. Some think it's a conspiracy, but uh, uh, whatever is that? Is that uh, or or if the dad says he is two thousand years old, what's the moon made of? Brie cheese. Now, what's the kid gonna believe? They've got nothing else, so maybe they go to school and they say, you know, the Apollo trips, the moon landing brought back rocks. Oh, yeah? Did they taste them? Why would they taste the rocks? They're made of cheese. No, they're not. The kid believed it. Why? Because this is what his father said. Now, it was misleading, but the sense of like a child is what God says, we believe it, we receive it. Now the wonderful contrast in that example is a father may just be given a quick answer to end the child's question. The father may be given a joke answer just for a little bit of fun, but what God says always proves true. And so like like children, we receive it, and we don't want to deceive ourselves and think that we're wise. Uh, the last thoughts for today is we got to watch out for ignorant interpreters. P- Peter talks about those who who read Paul's writings, and because it, it says there in verse 16, there are some of the things that he writes that are hard to understand, which the ESV says, the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of scriptures. Ignorant and unstable means un trained this is why it it, it oft gets concerning you've probably at some point in your life attended a church circumstance or a bible study or an event where somebody reads a passage and then they start to go around the room what do you think this means what do you think this means what do you think this is about what you know how, it's like going around the room of the kindergarten, um, how do you think we should spell the word fish? K-R. What? It, why are you asking them how, how you should spell it? Teach them how to spell. Why are you asking them what it means? Did you not prepare? Or, uh, or uh, be, now, we might Engage involvement because it says this in that time and in that culture What are some practical ways that we might apply this in our own lives today? Any thoughts anyone's how we might apply this? Useful and so you know, and so it's it's not it's not silence and listen. No, 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 not that That's that's too far. But it's 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 also not come on, you know, There's there's no dumb question. There are really dumb questions. There's no dumb, there's no foolish contribution. Yeah, there is. There's, There's absolute, utter nonsense that people can say. I remember a woman once telling me, the scripture says we're to put on the armor of God. You know why that is? I said, well, because the scripture says we should. She said, no, because when we put it on, the devil looks at us. He sees God's armor. He's like, uh oh, uh-oh, that's God. And he's afraid of us. She said, So every morning, I put on the shoes. I put on the, I, I literally, I am putting on the breastplate. I am putting on the helmet. And then all day long as I walk around, the devil thinks I'm God. And so he's afraid to come near me. What? I mean, that is creative, but it's garbage It's nonsense uh, It's not what the scriptures say But it's fun and and she says she says that to others and they're like I never heard that before That's cool. No, it's not cool. It's not Uh, We're running out of time Uh, Okay, because we don't want to be tossed to and fro By every wind of doctrine we don't want to be mistaken and again I end with some summary thoughts here Everything that I command you you should be careful to do when the law old covenant was given It was summarized with this simple sentence. You shall not add or take away from it As you come to the end of the bible towards the very end in in the book of revelation It says a similar thing and I think this principle is wisely applied to the totality of god's word And it is simply this do not add, do not take away. We might go so far as to say in the words of Paul, all scripture is profitable. I do not shrink back from declaring the whole counsel of God. And then lastly, I end, and I end with this verse, listen to what it says in, in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture, of which is the Old and New Testament, is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness. Listen, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, which means what? With the word of God rightly delivered, the believer will be lacking nothing that God has been pleased for every good work. So if somebody says, look, you need more. I got something that you won't find in your Bible, but you need this. No, no, no. With this, you are complete for every good work. This is what we we speak of, the sufficiency of the scripture, the necessity of the scripture, and I, I would say, The necessity of nothing beyond the scripture. Amen. Let me pray and then we'll take some prayer requests quickly. Lord, we do thank you so much that we could work our way through these things. And Lord, it is with this idea in our minds that we want to give ourselves to a consideration of um, what do you call the church to do? What do you call the church to be? How have you instructed us that we are to think of ourselves? How have you instructed us with regard to our priorities, our practices related to um, the world, related to our own gatherings? Uh, Lord, our desire is that we would not just follow any particular opinions or traditions, that you would help us like children and with a degree of uh, thoroughness Uh, consider your word. And that you would help uh, make it clear to us, Lord. In Jesus' name.